Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Howdy, howdy, praise be to God, it's good to be here. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and welcome to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, February 13th. 2023 it is the feast of saint catherine arici she was born into a patrician family in florence italy in 1522 at the age of 13 she entered a cloistered convent of the third order of saint dominic where she was eventually named a prioress she experienced the ecstasy of the agony of our lord every friday from noon until 4 p.m and her suffering was accompanied by the stigmata which drew many visitors and skeptics she begged heaven to cease these phenomena, and her prayers were answered after 12 years. She died surrounded by a choir of angels and was seen ascending to heaven by St. Madeline of Pazzi. Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira explains that virtue is accessible to all Catholics. Heroic virtue requires special graces, but is called for by all. He emphasized that sanctity is the practice of heroic virtue, not just the possession of good habits. And religious life can require heroism equal to that of a hero on the battlefield. St. Catherine of Ricci, pray for us. And good morning to you. I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl? I did not. I am sorry to report back, but my brother and my dad did. They were uh, up watching it. My dad was uh, actually at the fire station. And between, fire, between calls, they were watching the Super Bowl and... Apparently, they got three or four calls during the Super Bowl. They had to keep running out the door, and uh, they kept on missing out on what was happening. But my brother, he got to see the the, the game, and uh, but I did not. So let me know what you thought about the game in the comments down below. Let me know what you thought about the halftime show. I heard that was kind of weird, but I didn't see it, so I can't comment on it. But maybe uh, Tito or Rudy saw it. Uh, Tito, Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. No, I didn't. I didn't get to see it. Did you, Tito? Yeah, I saw uh, the first quarter. Uh, Tito, you're going to have to turn your mic on. Wow, newbie! Hey, uh, I I uh, saw the first quarter. It was entertaining. I'm an Eagles fan, but uh, I had to go home and uh, rest for today. Okay, well, you're an Eagles fan. Did you know who won? Yeah, Kansas City won. They they squeaked out. Okay. It was it was tough, and and in typical Eagles fashions, the the Philadelphia fans went on a rampage and destroyed their own city. Did they really? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> what? Up until they, I don't they, understand that. It, they even knocked out the electricity, so even parts of the city could not watch their team play. So the Eagles fans are notorious for being brutal. Uh, mm. they, they make the, the, the Raider fans look like angels. Dude, I, I don't understand that. I never understood why people riot in their own cities after their team wins or loses. It's like, what are you accomplishing? It everything makes no Adrian. sense to me. Everything. Well, Apparently. you know, yesterday I found out that uh, the uh, Chiefs kicker, I guess he's a Catholic. Pete Buttigieg, or Pete, uh, not Buttigieg, no, uh, Buttiker, Buttiker. <laughs> Pete Buttiger. Anyway, he's a trad, uh, and uh, he's Catholic. So I said, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm rooting for the Chiefs then. Yeah, he's a devout Catholic. He serves the Church of Latin Mass. Yeah, there's actually EWTN did a, uh, a piece about him, and he was, and I've actually reached out to him, try to get him on the show in the past, but. Uh, he is a hard person to get a hold of, but I would definitely love to talk to him sometime. But yeah, it's he's almost a, like he's busy, good. like 
playing sports ball or something. Right? Nah. Can you imagine that? Nah. I don't. They're they're off like half the year, right? Yeah, they, they got a lot of time <laughs> off, and they only work one day a week anyway. That's what I'm saying, right? Sunday. You don't need to train for it or anything. Exactly. Like it's just uh, they only had to work like a couple days a year. Oh, it's not no big deal. Uh, but anyway, did y'all do anything interesting over the weekend other than that? I went to a, a, a Valentine's Day dance at St. Cecilia's oh, wow. uh, Saturday evening with my wife, so we had a good time. Very nice. Yes, very nice. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yes, we had a nice little dinner, and uh, we danced the night away. Well, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, what, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Are you going to take your wife out to do anything? Are you going to? Uh, did you already do something with your wife? Let us know. You when can. Is that? Uh, oh, it's tomorrow. Yes, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow Oops. is Valentine's Day. <laughs> and if you uh, if you have not planned anything, then let this be your reminder. Uh, make sure you go get some flowers or whatever wink, it is wink. they got to do. Wink, nudge, wink, nudge, 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 Rudy over there. Uh, Rudy. I, I hope Mrs. Rudy didn't hear you. Uh, <laughs> no, we never do anything for Valentine's but Day. But the uh, the other thing is the. I'd be curious. What are you doing? What did you get your wife? What did you get your husband? What are you planning to do? What do y'all normally do? Uh, let us know. We're going to be talking to you directly in the after show. That's 30 past the next hour where we interact directly with you. You have to hop into our social media streams if you are watching or listening on the radio. Uh, but if you do, we'd be happy to interact with you. And we want to know what your plans are for Valentine's Day. And uh, we and make sure you get in our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. There you can uh, join our email list. And I have to announce, we have decided on what book we're going to go through for Lent. So we are going to go through the Catechism of St. Thomas Aquinas, um, published by Tridivox. But, of course, it's actually available online for free. You can find PDFs of it online. And there's other copies that are floating around that, are, that you could purchase. But the, that's the book we're going to go through. And we're going to start on Ash Wednesday. We're going to read approximately 10 pages a day. And it's going to be really easy, very simple, very straightforward, no big deal. And we're going to go through that as a group. The only way that you can join us, though, is if you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and join our email list. In that email list on Fridays, we send you a link to join our Telegram chat. And it's in that Telegram chat where you get all the information on how to be a participant. And uh, I have to tell you. Starting Ash Wednesday, I'm locking the Telegram chat, so you won't be able to join again until Easter. So this is your last chance. Uh, the days are taken away. There's only 10 more days until Lent, so you better uh, jump on that. Yes. All right, but without further ado, let's jump into it. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about a transgender clinic whistleblower. That's going to be interesting. At 30 past the hour, Mr. James Bascom is on with us again to talk about nationalism and integralism. Is it something Catholics should be in on? And in the next hour, we're going to talk a little bit about Lent, and we're going to play our game Fear and Trembling. Uh, but let's jump into it. We're going to be praying for your needs today, whatever it is that you are, have for the week, whatever it is that you need to accomplish. Those intentions are our intentions. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Monday, February 13th, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. 
Catholic Culture reports Archbishop Joseph Nauman of Kansas City has joined Archbishop Akila of Denver in critiquing Cardinal McElroy's recent call for quote-unquote radical inclusion, a call that includes a change in the church's teaching rooted in the New Testament on exclusion from Holy Communion for those who have not repented of grave sins against the Sixth Commandment. The Vatican Press Office reports Pope Francis has accepted the resignation of Cardinal Collins of Toronto for reasons of age and has appointed Canada's youngest Latin Rite Bishop to succeed him. Bishop Frank Leo, 51 years of age, was ordained to the priesthood in 96 and entered diplomatic service for the Holy See in 06. 2012, he returned to Canada and he was the General Secretary of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Catholic News Agency reports Pope Francis asks the Virgin Mary to intercede for Nicaragua after the, a bishop was sentenced to 26 years in prison. Quote, the news from Nicaragua has saddened me a great deal, and I cannot rem but remember with concern Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa, whom I care about greatly, sentenced to 26 years imprisonment, and also those who have been deported to the U.S. And finally, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reports that feedback received from parishioners request not to close churches just because they are poor. The Archdiocese Closure Initiative is expected to drastically alter the blueprint of the Roman Catholic Church in the region in response to declining numbers of worshipers and priests. In a draft proposal, 178 parishes will consult, be consolidated into 88 quote-unquote pastorates, groups of one or more parishes that will be served by a single priest as a pastor. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day is from Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. Here the Pharisees came out and entered upon a dispute with him to put him to the test. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Believe me, this generation shall have no sign given it. And so he left them and took ship again and crossed to the further side. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, the commentary today is from Cornelius Alapidae. Then certain of the scribes, there were some of those men who brought the false accusation against Christ that he cast out devils by the help of Beelzebub. Beelzebub is a demon who we rebuke in Jesus' name. As thus thou sayest that thou workest miracles by the help of God. If it be so, cause that God may attest that this is true by some sign of heaven by which he may signify that thou art sent by him, and dost cast out devils by his power. But the many diseases which were healed, the many dead who were raised up by Christ with this object, that he might show them that he was the Messiah sent by God the Father, ought to have been sufficient for them. But if one thing be granted, they ask as a subterfuge another and another. The meaning is this, Thy miracles, O Christ, are in the earth and of the earth, but we wish to see the celestial miracles in heaven. For God, whom thou assertest to be the author of these miracles, dwells in heaven. Cause, therefore, that fire may come down from heaven as Elias did, or that the sky may flash with new and marvelous thunders and lightning as Samuel's did, or that the sun should stand still as Joshua did. Thus St. Jerome tacitly, therefore, they scoff at Christ's miracles done on earth as though they were tokens of satanic influence. And they tempt Christ 
that they may falsely accuse him. But although he had shown such a sign in heaven, they were immediately have sought a subterfuge and would have required some other sign. For this is the disposition of all curious, cavailing persons, especially infidels and heretics. This is very interesting, and Cornelius Lapide had a much more to say. But one thing that's interesting about this is how true this is. How many miracles have happened in the past that we can point to? Yet we desire signs now. We want a sign that is accessible to us right now. I think the, the biggest one is Our Lady of Fatima. And there, Our Lady of Fatima appeared in 1917, and the sun danced in the sky. Joshua, the sun stopped, right? But for Our Lady, the sun danced. How amazing is that? And it was witnessed by thousands of people, thousands of people, atheists, communists, Freemasons, Catholics, skeptics, believers, unbelievers, everyone, all sorts of people witnessed this great miracle. And yet, how many people do not believe it? How many people demand a sign for their own eyes? Well, why can't I see the sign, they say? Well, should we not trust that God, who loves us, has given us the signs already? Cornelius Lapide made the point that his signs are of the earth and in the earth. Because all of creation is a sign. It is only our skeptical generation, our wicked generation, that looks at the signs of the world around us. The beauty of the sunset the beauty of a sunrise, the beauty of the earth, the beauty of logic and of proofs. We ignore these and we refuse to look at them because they are difficult. And so God, knowing our hardness of hearts, will not give us a sign. Because notice, every time that God grants these miracles, it is always by their faith, right? Yet we, as a skeptical and unjust generation... What sign do we deserve? Now, obviously, God sometimes in his mercy decides to reveal himself, but those are extraordinary uh, manifestations of himself that we are not owed. It's a free gift. And for us to arrogantly say, well, God, I demand a sign. God, show me a sign by doing X, Y, or Z. God, I'll do whatever you want if you just do A, B, or C. Uh, what, what kind of arrogance is it for us to try to demand? And I know uh, this is very difficult because I do it too. Uh, when I remember many, many a time where I would look at the situation I'm in and say, man, God, if you just do X, Y, or Z, then I'll know for sure that's your will and I will go and do it. But otherwise, I ain't doing it because I don't want to. I have that attitude all the time. Maybe you do too. Something to pray about today. We'll be right back with a whistleblower on transgender clinics. Hi, it's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is drawn. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or 5 for 100 So what are you waiting for? Hello, 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today, it's a beautiful day. I hope you had a great weekend. Hope we did something great for God. I hope you had a restful Sunday. Hope you didn't work on Sunday. Did something set aside that day for the glory of God. But today, I have a very concerning story. But in one sense, you could see that this is actually a good thing. Because these uh, transgender clinics have been doing things that people have been talking about it, but we've never had someone who is from the inside come out and say, hey, look, this is what happened. I'm seeing it firsthand. And this is the first time. It's, it could be the beginning of a, what we saw with Abby Johnson coming out of the Planned Parenthood and exposing things from the inside. This might be the beginning of it. Hopefully that happens. But let me share with you this story from the free press. The title of the story is I Thought I Was Saving Trans Kids, Now I'm Blowing the Whistle by Jamie Reed. I highly recommend checking it out because I timed this article. It's about a 20-minute read, reading it out loud. But it's definitely worth reading so you get a full context. So I'm not going to be able to read all of it to you, but I'm going to read sections of it. The first and foremost, the person says that they are a 42-year-old St. Louis native, a queer woman, and politically to the left of Bernie Sanders. For almost four years, I worked at the Washington University School of Medicine Division of Infectious Diseases with teens and young adults who were HIV positive. Many of them were trans or otherwise gender nonconforming, and I could relate. I am now married to a trans man, and together we are raising my two biological children from my previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. I read that person's biography because this person is not exactly on our side. This person is not exactly a friendly uh, to our position. Yet the hostile witness I find always to be the more credible witness because they have a vested interest in the narrative that we are going against. And the fact that this person comes out against it is very, very telling. Let me continue. And they took a job in 2018 as a case manager for the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital. During the four years, around a thousand distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions and that can have life altering consequences, including sterility. I left the clinic in November of last year and we were, we are permanently damaging, permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. I'm speaking out knowing that I'm putting myself at serious personal and professional risk because what is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort. And what is happening to them is morally and medically appalling. 
Remember, this is coming from someone who's married, quote unquote, to a trans man, meaning she's married to a woman, I think. And the person identifies as a queer woman to the left of Bernie Sanders. This this person is one saying that this is morally and medically appalling. They continue, until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Suddenly, they, they, there was a, their teenage girls with no previous history of gender distress declared they were transgender and demanded treatment. Before, there was about 10 cases a month from women or for young girls. We said when I left, there were 50. About 70% of the new patients were girls. Some, sometimes clusters of girls arrived from the same high school. Uh, comorbidities, uh, depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity, all were present in these girls. One-third of the patients referred there were on the autistic spectrum. Frequently, we had patients who said they had Tourette syndrome, but they didn't. They had, they had a tic disorder, but they didn't. That they had multiple personalities, but they didn't. The doctors privately recognized these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion. But when I said the cluster of girls streaming into our service looked as if their gender issues might be a manifestation of social contagion, the doctors said gender identity reflected something innate. When a female takes testosterone, the profound and permanent effects of the hormones can be seen in a matter of months. Voices drop, beards sprout, body fat is redistributed, sexual interest explodes, ex- uh, aggression increases, and moods can be unpredictable. Here's an example. On Friday, May 1st, 2020, a colleague emailed me about a 15-year-old male patient. Oh, dear, I'm concerned that the patient does not understand what biacultimate does. Now, I don't know what that does either. So it continues. It feminizes the bodies of men who take it, including the appearance of breast. As with most cancer drugs, because it's a cancer drug, it has a long list of side effects, including what this young patient experienced, liver tex- uh, toxicity. That's very concerning. Another story, and I'm going to try to make this PG because it's really rather gross. This girl had had, had had the marital act outside of marriage, and because testosterone thins the tissues in their private parts... She had a tearing and needed to have severe surgery to fix the lacerations. I'll leave it at that. A number of other very disturbing stories I'll skip over. I doubt that any parent who's ever consented to give their kid testosterone a lifelong treatment knows that they're also possibly signing them up for blood pressure medication, cholesterol medication, and perhaps also sleep apnea and diabetes. Here's another story. One teenager came to us in the summer of 2022 when he was 17 years old and living in a lockdown facility because he had been sexually abusing dogs. He'd had an awful childhood. His mother was a drug addict. His father was in prison and he grew up in a foster care. Whatever treatment he may have been getting wasn't working. I also learned from an intake officer that the that he believed the dogs had willingly submitted and planned to reoffend. The person decided to identify as a female and was starting to receive treatment. In Missouri, only one parent's consent is required for treatment of their child. The center always takes the side of the affirming parent. One of our doctors actually testified in a custody hearing against a father who opposed a mother's wish to start their 11-year-old daughter on puberty blockers. Now, I got to read this part in full because this is really disturbing. And if you're a parent, you need to pay attention to this. This is a very big deal. She and the father were getting divorced, and the mother described the daughter as a kind of a tomboy. 
So now the mother was convinced her child was trans. But when I asked if her daughter had adopted a boy's name, if she was distressed about her body, if she was saying she felt like a boy, the mother said no. I explained the girl just didn't meet the criteria for an evaluation. And then a month later, the mother called back and said her daughter now used a boy's name, wasn't distressed over her body, and wanted to transition. This time, the mom and daughter were given an appointment. Our providers decided the girl was trans and prescribed a puberty blocker to prevent her normal development. The father adamantly disagreed, said this was all coming from the mother, and a custody battle ensued. After the hearing where our doctor testified in favor of transition, the judge sided with the mother. This is very, very concerning. There's, uh, let me share one more story, and then I want to get Tito's take on this. Uh, he said that they were trying to track uh, people who detransitioned, but they didn't want to. He said, despite the fact we created a document anyway and called it the red flag list. The overwhelming majority of our patients were white, but this one girl was black, and she put us put on hormones at the center when she was around 16. When she was 18, she went in for a double mastectomy, what's known as a top surgery, the, the chopping off of their breast. Three months later, she called the surgeon's office to say she was going she was going back to her birth name and that her pronouns were she and her. Heartbreakingly, she told the nurse, I want my breast back. The last I heard she was pregnant, of course, she'll never be able to breastfeed her child. And this story goes on for another three pages, but I will leave that out for now. Just because it's just a sake of time, I highly recommend checking out the entire story and it's full. Go to fr- the free press and check out the whole story. But uh, Tito, what are your thoughts yeah. about that? It's disturbing. Th- these are crying out to God for for vengeance. This when these are vulnerable children. I I know growing up and and maybe you and Rudy also uh, growing up in elementary school and high school met girls that were kind of tomboyish. And that's what they are were Tom Boris. They, they just had that moment in their lives, you know, wanting to wear boys' clothes and hang out with the guys and and maybe even play football. And then they would get out of it by the late in high school or in college or or post high school and living absolutely normal lives. And and many of them are just some of my friends who were tomboys were were so happy to be growing up at that time because if they were growing up now, they could see the pressure on the parents, could see the pressure from the students, from the uh, the teachers and, and the doctors to get some hormonal therapy. This is so, so sad. And and to see that this is continuing, we, we see this person coming out and, and, and uh, objecting to what she saw and witnessed up until she quit last November, and we've had similar cases of this, and, and, and it was, it's been exposed before within the last six months, and it's still going on. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see this ending. I, I don't, this culture has gone mad. Yeah, and this is very, very important. People, will, people get upset with me for talking about it so much. Like, why do you always talk about the transgender issue? And I, I want to say two things about that. Uh, one is, it's one, because this is a big deal. This is a huge deal that needs to be discussed, that people are trying to put a blanket of silence over. And the less people talk about it, the more and quicker it'll become normalized. And the second point, and almost more importantly, is that right now we're at the situation of the abortion debate before Roe v. Wade was passed. Because now we have the ability to protest this, to do rosary rallies against this, 
to influence the school boards, to influence the state legislation. We have the power and the ability to do so now. And if we wait, we're going to end up in the case where Roe v. Wade got passed, and it took us decades to finally get Roe v. Wade overturned, and now we're still in the battle trying to ban abortion in every single state in the union. We're at the stage before Roe v. Wade. Let's ban these things before it gets to that point. And this is something that we can actually make effect and have change. And it affects your kids. It affects uh, your family. And so be aware what's causing this social contagion, social media, uh, interaction with, with certain groups of people. All these things are bad. Probably the thing to do is contact your representative in Congress right now. Kevin McCarthy, the Republicans are holding office. We could try the Democrats in the, in the Senate, but we'll, we'll likely get a, an open ear to that and pass something now. Get something done. I, I know the odds are stacked against this in the Senate, but Adrian's correct. I, I think you're right. We, we need to stop this in the nub before it, it gets out of hand. This is just simply ridiculous. We're... My goodness. Yeah, and the other thing is people will say things like, oh, well, it's just a small minority of people. It's not a big deal. And you're right. It is a small minority. It's less than 1% of the population. Less than 2% of the population identifies anywhere on the LGBT spectrum, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, uh, transsexual, et cetera, et cetera. And that's and, being generous. And that's being generous. Yet we see this stuff everywhere, movies, TV show, pride flags. Pride flags on on sidewalks, these kind of things all over the place. So we need to be vigilant about this. If we are not vigilant, they will take the culture, they will take everything, and they will take your children as the gay men's choir did a thing saying that they are coming for your children. And whenever the left tells you what their plan is, you should believe them. When they tell you what their plan is, what they're going to do, that they're coming for your kids, you should believe them. So let's first start with praying, fasting, and doing penance. We're coming up on season of Lent. Maybe that's something you want to offer up for. And second, let's actually make social change. Speaking of social change, in the next segment, we're going to talk to James Bascom about integralism and nationalism. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no, but how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. 
Hey Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh. Danke. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, February 13th, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. KGTV San Diego reports that parishioners are shocked at the possible bankruptcy for the Diocese of San Diego led by Cardinal Michael Roy. The California State Assembly has removed all statutes which will allow many lawsuits to proceed against the diocese. The diocese says it is now dealing with approximately 400 suits seeking monetary damages for alleged acts of sexual abuse involving the church. The Associated Press reports French religious orders demand change over la arch abuses. A recent commission report concluded that Jean Vanier, winner of the Templeton Prize and the founder of the La Arche Community for the Mentally Disabled, violated at least 25 women. Vatican News reports the Episcopal Council of Latin America, as well as the bishops of Chile and Spain, have condemned the violation of human rights in Nicaragua while at the same time denouncing the imprisonment of Bishop Roland Alvarez and the expulsion of political opponents. Bishop Rolando Alvarez refused deportation to the United States and will be serving a 26-year sentence. And finally, OSU News reports Archbishop Thomas Wenske of Miami is offering to house the exiled Nicaraguan priests and seminarians. Although the exiles would be taken in at first by Nicaraguan families, Archbishop Wenske said he offered the priests and seminarians longer-term housing at St. John Vianney College Seminary in Miami. He added that Catholic Charities and Catholic Legal, legal Services of the Archdiocese were standing by to provide aid and to help the exiles with their immigration pep- paperwork. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And before we jump into our interview, before I forget, we are giving away a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 in polar white. Very cold. Uh, Polar white. We are giving that away. How can you enter to win? You just have to go to grnonline.com, and you can purchase a raffle ticket. It's one ticket, $25, or five tickets, for $100, and if you want to be a real supporter, a real champion, uh, just make sure you contact your local general manager and buy directly from them and ask them if you can pick up a few tickets and sell on their behalf. That would be really awesome. Tell them Catholic Drive Time sent you, and or you can buy them online, grnonline.com. Uh, but joining us right now is Mr. James Bascom with the, I believe it's the, the Netherlands Society for Christian Civilization. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. James Bascom. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, pleasure is all mine. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, it was really interesting because... The you gave a wonderful talk not that long ago about Christian nationalism and integralism, 
and I thought it was really interesting, and I was like, well, not probably not a a topic for the show. However, then the FBI report came out accusing uh, Catholics of being these these fascist and nationalist and all these things, calling this out. And I was like, okay, well, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about this. So I want to talk about this, Mr. Bascom. What is nationalism? What is integralism? Tell me, uh, kind of give me the rundown on it. Uh, well, actually, that's a very good question. Um, I, I Part of the problem, I think, with the whole question of nationalism and integralism is whoever, as many people as you ask uh, what they are, uh, you'll get a different definition and a different uh, understanding of it. Um, so there are actually ideas that go back uh, several hundred years. Um, but let's say suffice to say the movements that are today call themselves nationalist or integralist, many of them have some very good ideas. Uh, many of them have some very bad ideas. So I think it's a more question of describing and talking about the ideas of, let's say, the individuals or groups promoting nationalism or integralism rather than just to kind of give a sweeping description of uh, each one. Right. I agree because I, when I was listening to your talk, I thought it was very interesting because the only ex, the only kind of, um, the exposure I got from integralism specifically was actually from father Thomas Crean. And so when I was listening to some of your critiques of it, I didn't get that. So I actually have the book right here in my hand. I was reading his book and I was thinking, I was like, Oh, but he's talking about uh, the Catholic church talking about the two swords theory and how the, the role of the papacy and all these things and talking about all those things. Um, but then in your critique of it, you had mentioned what other people were saying. And I thought that was very interesting. So uh, before we jump into maybe integralism, we should jump into second. Let's start with nationalism. You know, I was looking at there's a lot of uh, talk of nationalism. You have a Christian nationalist, but then there's also a secular nationalist. Uh, let's talk about that first, Mr. Baskin. Yeah, well, uh, nationalism was something that really kind of is a, emerged from modernity about two to three hundred years ago, and um, let's say suffice to say, if you mean nationalism by patriotism then that is actually an obligation for a Catholic, right? We have to, based on the fourth commandment, uh, love our family and by loving our, and, and therefore love our, our, our nation, love our region, our country. Um, that's something that the church fathers actually taught that, uh, the best, uh, let's say the best citizen is a Catholic. The more Catholic a person is, the better a citizen he will be. Now, if by national, what well, many people, um, let's say many groups, uh, and, and movements that have called themselves nationalism advocate uh, is something different, where they see the, the, the nation as supreme over all other institutions, including the church. And, and of course, that is not something we can't agree with, that the, 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 the state is important, the, 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 the nation is essential, important, but the church is more, the church is greater. As St. As, uh, Thomas More famously said, right, you know, I'm the king's good servant, but God's first. Right. So, so that 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 essential element that the church must be above um, all nations, um, without destroying or subsuming them, but keeping kind of a supremacy, a spiritual supremacy over the temporal. That is, I think, a very important point to remember. So, correct me if I'm uh, misinterpreting, but my kind of perception of it is that the error of nationalism is Anglican England. And the proper understanding of, of nationalism might be Christendom, the individual nations within Christendom united against uh, the enemies of Holy Mother Church. 
Yeah, I, I mean, a, the, a Christian Europe, uh, let's say in the Middle Ages especially, where you had a family of nations, uh, all united by the same faith under the father of fathers who was the Pope, um, was really like the, 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 I would say the, the model, um, for, for that, that should be for a Catholic. Um, but, but the nationalism, uh, where this, you have the state essentially being supreme over the church and, uh, kind of the, the, the people, the, the, the country being the supreme value. That's really a fruit of Protestant, uh, the Protestant revolution, the Protestant revolt. You see that emerging, especially in Protestant Europe uh, in the 18th and 19th centuries. So I think uh, it's very important that we be careful not to fall into this um, kind of a pagan nationalism as opposed to a Catholic patriotism um, that, that, I, that I believe is, is really important to, to remember. And, you know, the, the problem I always see with this is, we, in reacting to the left, which has become explicitly communist, and we also don't want to fall into the capitalist error as well, uh, they kind of cling to the first thing that sounds right. And so you hear some of these people who kind of have, and you ha hear the thing, people calling people white nationalist, but what does that term really mean? What are we talking about here? Uh, do you have any uh, exposure to that idea? Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually that's just the race baiting of the of the of the radical left. You know, they try to, you know, if you defend uh, the the uh, the nuclear patriarchal family, then you're a a racist. You know, it, it, it's it's just, usually it's just nonsense. But there is nevertheless a tendency, um, and this I, I I cannot stress enough that the the problem of our society of our times we must take into consideration the religious aspect of it. Otherwise, we'll fall into kind of naturalistic solutions, you know, where some people think that, you know, the identitarianism, that, that is, that does exist out there. People think that, well, you know, we have this kind of ethnic identity. If the left, you know, promotes black, black nationalism, which they do, right, the black uh, identitarianism or, let's say, Latino identitarianism or Asian identitarianism, well, why can't we do our own, let's say, you know, white identitarianism in response? And that, of course, we... The devil is not our teacher. We do not learn from the devil. You know, we learn from God himself and from his vicar on earth. And, uh, and of course, the, the perennial teachings of the church. So we, we must not fight the left with the left, so to speak. <laughs> and that's a, that's a tendency that some people might, might fall into. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent uh, analysis there, because, you know, what, is our, what do we see in Holy Scripture? There's no Jew nor Greek, no woman nor man. Uh, we're all one in Christ, right? And so if we're all one in Christ, then the differences of our ethnicity matter less, not matter not at all, but matter less than our faith and our and our political and, and philosophical positions, but most importantly, our faith. Is that right, Mr. Bascom? Absolutely. The, the, the faith is the most important thing. And, and ultimately, it's uh, it, the, 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 I think a, a problem, I, and this is why I hesitate to criticize, let's say, to sweep through this kind of sweeping criticism of, let's say, all people who call themselves nationalists, because there are some very good ideas out there. You know, the necessity of, of having religion influence public life, the necessity of bringing back public morality, the necessity of the state enforcing public morality. Those are all actually uh, good ideas. But the problem is when you, when you, uh, you, 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 you I have to cut you off right there, Mr. Bascom. 
on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to talk about integralism, and maybe we'll talk about some of the good aspects of it before we get into the critique. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel... All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And joining us right now is Mr. James Bascom, part of the Netherlands Defense for Christian Civilization, or Netherlands Society for Christian Civilization. We're talking about nationalism and integralism. What are the good? What is the bad? We're seeing a lot of discussion there, and Catholics can get a little confused because we hear these things and we're saying, okay, well, that sounds something that sounds Catholic to me. And we kind of jump on the bandwagon, but we have to be aware that there are some good things, there are some bad things. And so just like our Saint, the first pope said, St. Peter, uh, test everything and retain what is good. Uh, so welcome back, Mr. James Bascom. Before we left off, you were talking about some of the good and nationalism, and I want to pick up right there. Oh, absolutely. Sure. So I, I just wanted to um, just to, to emphasize that, uh, you know, there's no... It's a simple answer. You know, there's a lot of very bad ideas uh, of, let's say, mo- of our modern 20th, 21st century society that are being questioned and even rejected uh, uh, by certain people who call themselves nationalists. And I think that's a very good thing. There's also uh, some very bad ideas that are being promoted among some people who call themselves nationalists, and that has to be uh, rejected. And but I, but I really. I cannot emphasize enough that the, the church has the answer to, to all of these pro- problems, all these questions. Um, <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun, right? The, uh, so, so I, uh, I especially, I, I like very much the, um, the encyclicals of Pope Leo the 13th, uh, about Immortali Dei and St. Pius X's encyclical, Notre Charge Apostolique against the Catholic left in 1910. Um, and, uh, and he says, if you let me, if you allow me to quote, he says, um, we must repeat with the utmost energy in these times of social and intellectual anarchy, when everyone takes it upon himself to teach as a teacher and lawmaker, the city cannot be built otherwise than as God has built it. 
Society cannot be set up unless the church lays the foundations and supervises the work. No, civilization is not something yet to be found, nor is the new city to be built on hazy notions. It has been in existence and still is. It is Christian civilization. It is the Catholic city. No, so, so he makes it very beautifully written. I think he, the, the St. Pius X mm. describes the necessity of returning to the Catholic city as the church has built her uh, through, for the last 2,000 years. Yeah, that's excellent. And I guess that leads us into uh, integralism because it seems to me, and you can correct me if I'm misinterpreting, but it seems to me that integralism is simply nationalism, but with a authentic Catholic view, at least from my understanding of from to- Father Thomas Crean's interpretation of integralism. And it really, to me, and like I said, please correct me if I'm misinterpreting, it really echoed what uh, uh, Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira says in Revolution Counter-Revolution, where he says, if the revolution is disorder, then the counter-revolution is the restoration of order. And by order, we mean the peace of Christ and the reign of Christ, that is, Christian civilization, austere and hierarchical, fundamentally sacral, anti-egalitarian, and anti-liberal. Uh, what say you, Mr. James Bascom? Uh, yes, I, I, uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I think that uh, Father Thomas Crean's book is excellent. I read it. I, I mean, I, I, I could agree with probably virtually everything in it. Um, the, and, and what you said is exactly it. We need to respond to this revolution in our times with a counter-revolution. But what some people, not Father Crean, but other people who call themselves integralists are, are doing is saying we need to take a page out of literally the socialist handbook. So we have you know, this hyper-capitalism out of control. We have globalism. We have all these problems. And therefore, we need to take a page from the leftist handbook and mix kind of a, uh, a free market, let's say Christian system, Christian uh, Catholic state with a kind of a, a strong arm, strong fisted uh, socialist state. And so in October of last year at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, there was a conference put on by the integralists, uh, Sorba Mari, Gladden Pappen, Patrick Deneen, several other intellectuals, in which they, and I was there, I actually thought they actually advocated, we need uh, Franklin Roosevelt New Deal style government, a strong socialist state to impose a Catholic moral order. Um, and that, of course, is very troubling for, for me uh, and for any Catholic who sees and knows that socialism is not the answer. <laughs> they were literally advocating, uh, I mean, Bernie Sanders style, literally Bernie Sanders style uh, 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 government, Medicare for all, Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, and to bring that back uh, to restore what they understand as Catholic social teaching. Hey, mm. Hi, James. This is Tito. I was wondering, uh, looking back to history, can we find any good examples of integralism? The three things come to mind is uh, Suarez's Portugal, Fra- Franco's Spain, and probably my favorite is the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire. Even though that can't be classified as integralist, they certainly did favor the church where they were strong. Well, I, I mean, what? What I would what I would say is integralism. A true integralism is 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 can be found in the uh, the Middle Ages. So Saint Louis the Ninth, for example, his that that happy concord union between church and state 
uh, but that was very, very clear. The, the, yeah, the Austro-Hungarian Empire also had a very uh, Catholic and organic uh, society in which both church and state had their proper role. I mean, the, the 20th century examples you gave, um, I, I mean, they had certain aspects of them that were praiseworthy, but others that were not. Um, that's another complicated topic to get into. <laughs> but that, suffice to say that uh, as Leo XIII says in his encyclical Immortality Day, uh, there was a time when the philosophy of the gospel governed the states. And he goes on and on in a very beautiful way describing the Middle Ages, how the Middle Ages was a model of what Catholic, a harmonious church and state relationship was and could be again in the future. You, so you, I, I would... I'm sorry, uh, you mentioned Louis IX. That's the saint, isn't he? Saint, that's right. King St. Louis IX of France. Yes. Yeah, that, that for me is the, the ultimate model of what a Catholic uh, king or ruler uh, in harmony with the church at the same time would be, could be. Um, yeah, he, uh, one thing that caught my eye was he sought to prevent, he sought not war with his uh, Catholic neighbors because he thought of it as, as a travesty. What, um, what books, is there a book that you, you would recommend on integralism that would, that would be more of what you're saying rather than what you witnessed over at, F, at uh, the Steubenville conference? Um, well, you know, I, 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 would, I really can't recommend enough reading the, 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 the lives of these saints, saint kings, these historical figures. That's the best, the best teaching, in my opinion. Uh, for example, St. Ferdinand of Castile, King St. Yes. Ferdinand, the cousin of King St. Louis IX, two very, they're canonized saints, Catholic kings during the, the height of, of Christian civilization in Europe in the Middle Ages, and there are several very good biographies about them that I would recommend. I, I would definitely recommend that uh, as a start, um, but there are other, there are many other very, very good kings and, and queens and, 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 uh, and Catholic uh, 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 nobles of that time who are in the who are among the canonized saints that I think are our models for, yeah, for, for our sure. time. Mr. Bascom, uh, King St. Ferdinand is a personal favorite of mine. I, I'm, I love King St. Ferdinand, but you know, I, I want to give to you something that I tell people and I want to get your analysis of it. Whenever we the topic of nationalism comes up and this often will result in the topic of fascism, and, you know, there's a love-hate relationship there with the church. And so it, this comes up a lot, especially among traditionalist or circles. People will be very pro-fascist in certain circles. And I will tell them, I'll say, well, you know, see, the, the, big, the big problem here is an exclusionary attitude where King St. Louis IX, for instance, when he heard that the, the Muslims were invading other Christian nations that were not France, he said, well, we need to go and defend them and protect them. And many of his dukes and many of his supporters said, uh, your, your highness, I will, I will fight and die for France and for, and for you, but you want me to go across the sea to fight for them? And King St. Louis IX said, no, we, we must fight for all of Christendom. And that is a, something that really struck with me. So what, what are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah, the 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 the, uh, the, the fascist uh, tendency among some people on the right is is profoundly pagan. Uh, they're, 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 it's it's a a, a a 
a lack of ability or, or desire to see that the, the crisis of our times is a profoundly religious one, a crisis of the soul, and that this, this idea of, of responding to the crisis with a kind of a political, uh, exclusively political solution that doesn't incorporate uh, the Catholic uh, vision of history and how this crisis that we're living in today goes back a long time, centuries in fact, not just something that happened in the 60s. It's, it's, it's very, very deep. And uh, a, you know, <laughs> socialism, fascism, uh, totalitarianism of any, kind, of any flavor is not the solution. And, and we need to look at these models of the past, you know, that like, like you pointed, like you said, St. Ferdinand, St. Louis, who, who inculcated a, a love of church and a love of state a love Mr. of people, a love of nation, love of family that was in harmony and, and, and with each other. And, and that, I believe, is really just the, 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 our guiding stars you know, the, the, for, for our times of, of, of chaos and crisis today. Mr. Bascom, in the last uh, 30 seconds or so, can you give us a vision of what an American integralist uh, government looks like? Hmm. That's it. We need a... Uh, <laughs> We need a conversion, first of all. We need a conversion to the one holy Roman Catholic and apostolic faith. So a, a Catholic America dedicated to the sacred heart um, and the sacred heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, putting the sacred heart on our flag, I think that would be a, a good start. Um, we, we could discuss the details afterwards, but let's, let's, let's consecrate the whole, the whole country and convert the whole country to the sacred heart. Yeah, for sure. I think the ultimately the first step is the same step that we had at the early church, right? Uh, convert the rulers, convert the people who are in charge, and then from there we can start worrying about the details of the law. So conversion is is the first step. Uh, thank you, Mr. James Bascom. You can find his articles. You look up uh, his Mr. James Bascom online. He has dozens of articles on many topics. I highly recommend checking out all of his different articles uh, i think a number of places return to order.com uh tfp and uh, many other places but thank you for joining us mr james bascom my pleasure thank you that'll conclude us for today if on the six o'clock hour but if you want to continue joining us stay on the line and we are going to be jumping into a discussion on lent so don't go anywhere we'll be right back I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching at the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. What, are we going to have to like go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. I'm Father Jim Murphy from St. Thomas High School. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and good morning to you. I hope you had a blessed weekend. I hope you did something productive on Saturday. I did. You did? I did. You went birding? No, I was sick. You slept? In bed. Nice. (laughs) Very good. Very good. I applaud that. And I hope you uh, had a restful Sunday and you didn't do anything. You prayed, (laughs) ate with your family, went to Mass, Gave the day to God. I hope so. I hope that's what happened. But, you know, today, or yesterday, rather, at Mass, it was sexagesima, which is within the 60th day, meaning it's less than 60 days till Easter. And so we're talking about more about preparing for Lent. And Father said, you know, people are probably going to be giving up chocolate. They're probably going to be giving up different things. And... That's all good, but let me encourage you, try fasting for Lent this year. And the entire congregation went, oh, no, I'm just kidding, that didn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, Not the, your congregation. Uh, no. but, you uh, could hear the crumbs drop. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was great. I was like, yeah, absolutely, we should definitely try fasting. And maybe... Let me just throw this out as a suggestion. This is what I, I mean, it's kind of cheating because I kind of do this normally already. But try eating just one meal a day and do that. I'm not saying you know, restrict your meal to only 500 calories or whatever it is. Eat a normal meal, whatever it is. Eat as, as much as you want for that one meal. But just eat one meal. Skip breakfast and lunch and just eat dinner with your family. And that's it. Try that for Lent. That would be a major sacrifice. And don't, don't, don't uh, take this opportunity to make that meal three thousand calories. Cheeseburgers. Yeah. Don't be a glutton. Yeah, definitely don't don't commit the sin of gluttony. That's that's what the Muslims do. Actually, the uh, the Muslims the people like to brag about how their fast is so great and like, oh my goodness, they fast all day for all of Ramadan. Um, but St. Thomas Aquinas actually makes fun of the Muslim fast. And he's like, <laughs> these guys over here are weaklings uh, because their role is that they fast from sunrise until sunset. So 
they can eat breakfast if it's before the sun rises. Correct. And <laughs> they can eat. They can, and then they eat after the sun sets. So then, uh, the actually the food consumption in Muslim dominant countries actually skyrockets during Ramadan because people eat more because they're gorging themselves after dinner. So yeah, don't do that. You should do like a Benedictine fast. Oof. Uh, is that the rough. beer fast? No, well, there's like that. water fast. And then there's uh, there's the, the kind of fasting that I've heard of. Uh, they have like a one meal and it's broth with like a tiny carrot in it or something. You know, it's, it's like non-substantial. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Whew. I, I don't know if I could do that one. I remember a few years ago in the Catholic blogosphere, somebody went on that Benedictine, I think it was Benedictine, beer fast. And after the first week, we heard nothing from him. So <laughs> uh, I, I assume we, we all charitably just let it go and not follow up. On We're it like, how did that go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what, what beer you would have to have because, I mean, if you're having like a Bud Light, that's... That's different. Cannot be good for you. Because the beer that they use... It's like nutritious, yes, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's not like normal beer. Correct. It's a very specific kind of beer. Yes. Also, people kind of... This misconception that the, the people of ancient times drank beer. Yes, they did, but the beer was actually like 1% alcohol. And so it was like barely any alcohol in it. And so that was a, a misnomer. Wow. So people think that, oh, yeah, they just like... Hit back a bunch. They were doing keg stands and yada yada. <laughs> like, no, they, they they did not do that. It was one percent beer because they were trying to sterilize the water, and so they weren't doing it to get drunk or anything like that. It just was the most safe way to consume liquids at the time. But yeah, so I think that's very interesting. But what y'all think about the the topic that we were discussing uh, the last in the last hour? I think it's fascinating because integralism for. For some reason or another, just came out of nowhere the last three to five years as a topic amongst Catholics and gaining even traction nationwide. And traction meaning attention. And some of the, most of the integralism I see just doesn't, seems counterintuitive because it seems as an imposition. And living in this country, I just don't see the attraction to it because we we have plurality. We have religious freedom, and, uh, well, <laughs> while we still have it, um, anyone can practice their faith without uh, being investigated by the FBI. I, I had to say that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it could be attractive in Europe, especially in France uh, and Spain, and maybe England if they ever get, get, wake up from their, their hangover of Anglicanism. Yeah, but, uh, big time. Yeah, big time. That, that was... That's a joke. I'm, what, what's going over there? I mean, <laughs> why, why not just forget about it? Let's have gay marriage. I mean, that's that's where they're heading. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But the, the situation in America, you know, it is very unique. I actually did an interview with Father Crean not too long ago. Uh, so if you want to check out that interview, we talk all about integralism. I get him to kind of lay out the position. And uh, asked, asked him a bunch of uh, questions about that. So you can check that out. Go to Catholic Conversations. Look up uh, Catholic Conversations on YouTube and type in Father Thomas Crean. And it should pop up. I think it's the title is something along the lines of a like Catholic political philosophy or something like that. Uh, but, you know, before we, we jump too far into this, I'm going to read to you a little, a short little talk that was written. And I want to get Tito's guess on who wrote this talk. Okay. Okay. Who is this? The it's a it is uh, on the topic of Lent. Okay. Okay. 
Ladies and gentlemen, as we approach the holy season of Lent, we are called to turn our heads, our hearts and minds towards God and prepare ourselves for the journey ahead. This is a time of renewal, a time of sacrifice, and a time of growth in our spiritual lives. And I'm here today to encourage each and every one of you to make the most of this holy season. For Lent is not just a time of giving up something, but it's a time of taking on something greater. It's a time of taking on the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ, of living in the world as he lived, of thinking as he thought, of loving as he loved. Lent is a time of putting on the armor of God, of donning the spiritual weapons that we need to fight the good fight. But how do we prepare ourselves for this holy season? How do we ready ourselves for the journey ahead? I have a few suggestions that I would like to share with you today. First and foremost, we must cultivate a spirit of humility and contrition. We must acknowledge our weakness and our sins, and we must seek the grace of God to help us overcome them. This can be done through prayer, through confession, or simply by taking time to reflect on our lives. Second, we must strive for simplicity and detachment. We must remove the clutter and distractions from our lives and must focus on what is truly important. We must seek to live a life that is centered on God. We must be willing to let go of the things that keep us from Him. And finally, we must be willing to make a sacrifice. This can be something as simple as giving up a luxury or a vice, or something more significant, such as giving up our time, our talents, and our resources. Lent is a time of self-discipline, a time of renouncing the things that hold us back, and a time of embracing the things that bring us closer to God. Ladies and gentlemen, let us not waste this holy season. Let us make the most of this time of renewal, of sacrifice, and of growth. Let us prepare ourselves for the journey ahead, and let us seek to live a life that is pleasing to God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. All right, Tito, where, who wrote this talk? Who gave this talk? Well, it's uh, certainly not St. John Chrysostom. Probably um, not. Probably Fulton not. Sheen? Fulton Sheen. Yeah. Professor that, Plinio. That is a really... You're kind of right. It was Chat GPT. But ChatGPT. It was AI. It was AI. I, uh, <laughs> I I asked an AI. I said I told the AI. I said, write me a speech in the style of Fulton Sheen on the topic of preparing for Lent. Because what gave it away was ladies and gentlemen, and I was thinking, well, there aren't too many televangelist priests out there, and and uh, Fulton Sheen was the first one that came to mind. Huh. Well, you nailed it. it kinda. <laughs> it was a AI bot. And the style of Fulton Sheen. All right. It's kind of weird. Santo Subito. Santo Subito. It sounds like Fulton Sheen. It doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yes, it's it weird. Does. It's so weird. And I was like, I was reading it and I was thinking, it's not that bad. Like, in terms of like, I, it definitely could be better. It definitely had some language that I'm like, okay, Fulton Sheen probably wouldn't have said it that way. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm shocked by how, how accurate it was. Isn't that weird? How, how long did you wait to get your chance on ChatGPT to get that in there? Uh, not that long. Okay. It's, uh, it's done. It's a lot better now. When it first started opening, it's hard to, uh, to pick it up. But it's, it's, you can use it now. You can sign up and use it. But it's, it's kind of creepy, man. This, yeah. this whole thing is kind of weird. He but it's pretty good. Didn't mention the devil, but that would have been a 100% dead giveaway. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, the other thing was I asked it for ideas of what to do for Lent. And it said fasting, abstinence, almsgiving, do the station of the cross, go to confession, do a Bible study, do spiritual reading, observe periods of silence, service, and prayer. All of that? Like, yeah, those are the different suggestions it gave. I said, give me 10 suggestions for 
um, traditional practices for Lent, and that's what he gave me. We need to bring back severe Lent again. Whew. We need to bring, maybe that, not that severe, but definitely fasting from dawn to dusk and, and having half a meal for, for dinner. I mean, things like that. We, and having Ascension Thursday back on Ascension and... <clears throat> yeah, Ascension we, Thursday we, on a Thursday. That makes sense. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know how we, uh, uh, public officials, where we hire these firms and they lobby out in Congress? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do we have to do? Are there lobbies at the USCCB? <laughs> I mean, there's got to be. I mean, we got to get oh, really? these guys organized. Really, every individual diocese has his bishop is the king of his own diocese, the prince of his own diocese. Yeah. So, if uh, your bishop, if you want to ask your bishop and say, "Hey, your excellency, can we have Ascension Thursday on Thursday this year?" Um, maybe have a writing campaign and petition these things uh, to your local ordinary. Ask them. Uh, but here's a suggestion for you: Ash Wednesday is ten days away. So soon. It's so soon. And I love it. And here's a suggestion. Go to confession before Ash Wednesday. Yeah. And do a good examination of conscience. And maybe maybe I'll do an examination of conscience with you. I'll do a I'll do a live stream and do an examination of conscience. Obviously, don't tell me what your sins are, but I'm gonna go <laughs> through one by one all the different things, explain how to make a good confession, and we can do it together. And offer examples of examinations of conscience out right. there. Aquinas exactly. and, and uh, Chrysostom and some others are out there that I'm aware of. Uh, these things are good. If you don't know what to confess, just print it out mm-hmm. and get ready. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm getting pumped up. Lent and Advent, after Easter, those are my two favorite seasons. Man, after Easter, those are your two favorite seasons, really. Lent, honestly, not my favorite season. It's well, a lot of work. It's a lot of effort, and I really like uh, eating. <laughs> You're not eating now. I know, I know, but I, I that's, that's true. It's a good point. Uh, but the, you know, I don't know. I, I love Christmas and I love Easter, and so the the penitential seasons. I wish I liked them, but you know, it's it's difficult. Well, uh, probably difficult. because you've been uh, raised very well by your parents. Give them a a clap of the hand, and so you've been living good Lent. I I've lived. Uh, poor Lent and Advents before my conversion, and I see this as an opportunity to finally overcome some nagging sins or, or, or some some vices that are uh, and vices that are detrimental to my spiritual spiritual being. Also, this also spills o- over into other aspects of your life. You build discipline. With yeah, discipline, sure. you can do anything. One hundred percent. Yes, sir. Uh, overcoming. Your sensible appetites, namely your your stomach, is the first step, according to the Desert Fathers, the first step of overcoming all the other vices. Really? Yep. So they always recommend Ooh. conquering your stomach first. And you know, my my speaking of my fa- my family, my parents, my mom specifically thought that the teaching of the church was you had to fast and abstain every Friday during Lent. She didn't know it was just abstinence was the only requirement. And so my entire life. We fasted on Fridays until I was in high school and I found out that it was like, that it was only abstinence. And I was like, what? This whole time? I didn't, I could, didn't have to fast? Uh, but my mom made us. So there you go. And the rule was like, you don't have to start giving things up until like 12 or something like that or things like that. My mom made us do it the whole, our whole lives. Our whole lives the whole time. I love your parents. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. If you want to join us, the number is 877-757-9424. 
You can be our game show contestant. Just call 877-757-9424. All Easy Question Monday. The number is 877-757-9424. Call now. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatum? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. It's the number to call to be our contestant on Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show where we give out prizes and you may learn something or maybe you won't i don't know maybe you're just that smart and you just know all the answers but nonetheless somebody will be learning something today we got three trivia questions the way the game works is i'm going to ask tito and i'm going to ask rudy these three questions and for every question that you get right we're going to put one ticket in the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize and uh the the prize today is uh rudy do you know what the prize today is no i can't wait to find out from tito what the uh what the sponsor is this week that would be really interesting awesome well the the, the number to call is 877-757-9424 and whenever we uh and if you don't get on the line today then you can call back tomorrow or any day this week and just so you know, our number is on our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And whenever you go there, you actually can find 
our phone number and call in early. So if you want to get in early to make sure you are the contestant for the game show, feel free. You can call in at the top of the hour and just stay on hold if you would like. And that number can be found at grnonline.com forward slash cdt uh tito what is the prize for this week the prize this week uh apparently will be a cdt prize pack and so we'll be giving away a coffee cup of divine providence a a coffee mug and uh we'll throw in some goodies there for the uh, prize pack this week but uh let's see let's see who our contestant is is Norma. Norma is joining us. Good good morning to you, Norma. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Norma. How did you did you watch Super Bowl this weekend? Pardon? Did you watch the Super Bowl this weekend? No, no, I'm I'm not uh, <laughs> not not really a Super Bowl fan. No, not really, yeah. No. My children I think upstairs, you know. And- Okay. But, yeah, I used to when I was younger. I'm too. It seems like I'm too old for a Super Bowl now. Okay. Okay. When my husband is still here, yeah, we watch football, but not not anymore. <laughs> well, Norma, where are you calling from? Alexandria. Alexandria, Virginia. where? In Alexandria, Virginia. Virginia. Wow, wow. Virginia is on the board. Yes. Vir- Virginia on the board. I used to be in Jacksonville for 45 years. When my husband passed away, my daughter took me in under her wings here. So I've been here almost two years now, or two years. Well, well, welcome to uh, Alexandria, Virginia. That's pretty awesome. Praise be to God. I'm glad that you are uh, with your with your family there, with your with your daughter there. That's pretty awesome. Yes, yes, yes. It's God's blessing, and I'm enjoying it. You know, I have a beautiful church. Uh, St. Lawrence. Wonderful, wonderful. And do you know how the the game show is played? Yes, I always listen to you. Oh, Every praise be to God! Well, I'm on my way to. I'm in the car on my way on my way to church nine nine o'clock mass. So wonderful, I nice. To you. Every single day I go to church. Oh well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being a a faithful listener to the show. Uh, that means a lot to us. Thank you very much. Well, let's jump into the game show. Don't be deceived by Tito and Rudy. They're very tricky people, so I just need you to just be aware of what's happening here. I'm a little, I'm a little bit nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> Don't worry. You got this. You'll be fine. I'm, I'm a, I'm, my pride is too high, I guess. God Don't worry. Well, you're in. You're in today. So don't you worry. You're on the line today, and I think you'll be. I think you're going to do great. I'm going to think you're going to do great. So let's jump into the game show. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Well, here's the question for you, Rudy. All right. What are two of the three methods of electing a pope? Two of the three methods. Okay, first and foremost, they uh, get applications for the uh, for the Pope from okay. the Episcopate. Oh. And then another way they do it is they basically just come together 
and they uh, throw sticks on the ground with all the names of the candidates, and they pick a stick out. Oh, like Sword Witch. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Uh Okay, so you're saying they have to submit a cover letter and a resume, Mm -hmm. and the other option is... A headshot in the white cassock, just to see if you have the right image. That makes sense. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And the other thing is they they just roll roll dice, basically. Basically, yeah. Okay. All right, well, that's, that's Rudy's answer. Tito, what say you... What are the two of three methods of electing a pope? Well, hopefully I'll get this one correct. Uh, <clears throat> two of the three methods of electing a pope. Well, one would be a uh, conclave. And, and another would be a... Let's see here. By popular adulation. All right. Well, this is a very difficult question. Yes, it is. It is a very difficult question. And I'm going to give you a, uh, a third option. So the third <laughs> option is going to be by inspiration or by secret ballot. So you, they can either be inspired by the Holy Ghost or... The bishops, the cardinals get together and they have a secret ballot. So, which one are you going to go with? It's you. Your answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Norma. That's right. Uh, both Tito and uh, Rudy were incorrect. Um, they were trying to they were trying to deceive you. I don't know the, why they were trying to deceive you, but... They they both gave incorrect answers, but don't worry, don't worry, Norma. I'm on your side. Okay. We're gonna make sure you get your name in the coffee cup. You're doing great. All righty, Norma. Let's jump into the second question. We're gonna start with Tito. Tito, I'm ready. The question for you is: What is the term for days of special prayer for a bountiful harvest, for protection, and for penance for sins? What is a special prayer for bountiful harvest protection from sins? I would say auditory prayers. Okay. You're saying that the special day of special prayer is called auditory prayers. Okay. All right. Uh, Rudy, the question is, what is the term for days of special prayer for a bountiful harvest for protection and for penance for sins. Yeah. What are those days? Well, uh, you know, I, I have a special uh, devotion to these days because my, my crops, they really need to take off this year. So uh, those are rogation days. Rogation days. Yeah. Well, with all the problems we're having in our food supply system, maybe we should bring back rogation days. Uh, Norma, the question yeah. is, what is the term for days of special prayer for a bountiful harvest for protection and for penance for sins. Tito seems to think that the answer is auditory prayers, whereas Rudy says they are rogation days. What say you, Norma? Oh, my gosh. Rudy? Rudy? Nailed it! Very good, <laughs> Norma. Norma. Good, good job. Norma. What a champion. Norma. How do, you, how do you spell that? Rogation, R-O-A-G. R-O-G-A-T-I-O-N, Rogation Days. Those are special days of prayer for a bountiful harvest, for protection, and for penance for sins. 
Those yeah. are very wonderful right days here. to start observing. Uh, but oh, we are going to jump into the, the third question. So let's jump into that. Uh, Rudy, let's start with you. All right. What was the name of the bread that miraculously fell from heaven for the Israelites? Yes, that's what's known as bimbo. That's a liturgical term. Bimbo. Bimbo bread. Okay. Bimbo that, bread. That's like a Latin translation of the yeah. Hebrew. Yes, exactly. They even had a little jingle, too. It would go, oh. bimbo. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it was, that's very good interesting. good stuff. You can okay. still get it, by the way. So they had a bimbo from heaven. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, that's a interesting answer from Rudy. But, uh, Tito, what say you? What was the name of the bread that miraculously fell from heaven? For the Israelites. I think, I believe it's called manna. Okay, yeah. manna. Yeah. All right. Well, the question, Norma, is, this is a very difficult question. I don't know if you're going to get this one. The question is, what was the name of the bread that miraculously fell from heaven for the Israelites? Tito seems to think that it's the manna from heaven, whereas Rudy thinks that it's the bimbo from heaven. I think he said it's, uh, how does it, how does it go? Bimbo. There you go. That's there the you jingle. Go. There's I didn't the make jingle. That up, uh, so <laughs> let me know, Norma. What say you? Is it Tito? Is it Rudy? Who's right? Who's wrong? Um, it's Mana. It's Mana. Very good. Nailed it, Norma. Good three job, for three. Norma. See, Norma's a genius. You were nervous. I'm reading the, I'm reading the one you Bible with the, the Father Smith right now. Oh, I'm, wonderful. Peace be upon him. Yeah. Uh, the 43rd day and mana, of course, mana. Perfect, perfect. See, you're, it's who said Catholics uh, don't know their Bible? <laughs> Norma knows her Bible. Well, thank you very much, Norma, for calling in today. Thank you so much. Uh, don't for, don't hop off the line. Stay on the line so that way we can get your contact information and uh, say oh, a prayer oh. for us. Make sure yes, you, so you pray for us at Mass. We'll be praying for you and your intentions. Thank you for calling. You. And be sure to call back in about a month or two. Make sure you call back. Um, we'd love you. to have you back on. Thank you so much for taking my call. God Absolutely. bless you guys. God Likewise. bless you. Thank you, Norma. Well, that'll do it for this show for today. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for more Catholic Drive Time. Or if you just can't get enough Catholic Drive Time, make sure you hop on one of our social streams where you will be able to interact with us directly. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to find all that information. Or just go on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and type in Catholic Drive Time, and you'll find us there, and we'll interact with you directly. But if not, see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Central. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
Reading from the book of Genesis. The man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Abel became a keeper of flocks, and Cain a tiller of the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the soil, while Abel, for his part, brought one of the best firstlings of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not. Cain greatly resented this and was crestfallen. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so resentful and crestfallen? If you do well, you can hold up your head. But if not, sin is a demon lurking at the door. His urge is toward you, yet you can be his master. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out into the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He answered, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. Therefore, you shall be banned from the soil that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. If you till the soil, it shall no longer give you its produce. You shall become a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Since you have now banished me from the soil, and I must avoid your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth, anyone may kill me at sight. Not so, the Lord said. If anyone kills Cain, Cain shall be avenged sevenfold. So the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone should kill him at sight. Adam again had relations with his wife, and she gave birth to a son, whom she called Seth. God has granted me more offspring in place of Abel, she said, because Cain slew him. The word of the Lord. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. 
God the Lord has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you, for your burnt offerings are before me always. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Why do you recite my statutes and profess my covenant with your mouth, though you hate discipline and cast my words behind you? A sacrifice of praise. You sit speaking against your brother, against your mother's son, you spread rumors. When you do these things, shall I be deaf to it? Or do you think that I am like yourself? I will be correct, I will correct you by drawing them up before your eyes. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. truth and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We continue to see in that first reading from the book of Genesis how that harmony uh, of creation begins to continue to unravel. First it becomes the blame game. Adam is blaming this woman that she placed her with me. And then Eve is saying, well, it's the serpent. He tricked me. And, uh, and now it's, uh, it's, the, it's fratricide. It leads to murder. Things are, things are getting out of control very, very quickly. Um, I think two things that kind of stand out. First, we should, probably, we should probably say that this, of course, continues to happen. Cain is the, is the, the Canaanites are the descendants of Cain, and they are going to be the nemesis of the Israelites for, for almost, for perhaps at least as long as the earth is still here. Uh, but that fratricide, that hatred, in the heart of Cain because his offering was not as good as Abel's leads him to commit murder to want to completely eliminate his brother how many of us can say that we do not have uh, uh, any kind of sibling rivalries <laughs> hopefully it doesn't lead this far but this is how far sin can can bring us there's two things to point out first is there there really is a great promise that is involved in this first reading even though it, it, the sin has led to murder. The first is, what's really interesting is that Adam, after the fall, calls his wife Eve. He names her Eve only after the fall, because she is to be the bearer of the living. In a way, she, is the, she continues the promise of life, physical life, 
But then, you know, from her, that cooperation with God in procreation also brings new life, the life of, this, of a soul. So he only names her Eve after because she becomes the mother of all the living. At the same time, of course, we inherit original sin as well. But the second thing is what God says to Cain. Uh, if, why are you so crestfallen? If you, if, you, you, if you hold your head, you can do well. But sin is a demon lurking. He says, but his urge is toward you, yet you can be his master. Even God had promised to Cain that if he held his head, if he resisted sin, then he could be, he could be the master. He could overcome those temptations. I think it reminds us, too, at least in Jesus Christ, it gives us great hope that we are always kind of... Um, we always wrestle with temptations in our life, and sometimes we feel like they, they get the better of us more, more often than not. We should always rely on that promise, though, that God is... If we do well, if we hold up our head, and of course, with Jesus Christ, if we unite ourselves to him, then we can overcome our temptations, whatever they may be. There is no temptation that is greater than us. I think it's St. Paul who says, you know, God, he, he, he never gives us more than we can handle. So we should, we should really have great hope and trust in the Lord in that way. That we can be, that we can be the master over, over sin if we truly trust in the Lord. So those two things actually give us a great, the great promise, great hope, that especially in time and temptation, when we are assailed by different things, that we can always find hope and strength in the Lord. Jesus had said in the gospel yesterday, if you, if you, if you have heard, if you kill, then you're liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you hate your brother, if you are angry, not just the emotion of anger, but when we harbor that anger against somebody, then we are liable to judgment. How many of us have never been angry <laughs> at our brother or sister? I mean, how much murder continues to go on today, uh, either a murder of reputation or actually somebody being a homicide? Jesus, it begins in the heart. We have to look into our hearts and whatever, if we truly have hatred, to despise our, our brother. And I said, not that we have the, the emotion of anger, because that'll come and go, but what we do about that, does it lead us to sin? And if it does, then we need to turn our hearts to Jesus and rely on his grace to really see our brother and sister with his eyes. To love our brother and sister as God loves them. That, of course, will be a journey for us. Maybe that really is the sign. Jesus had healed a blind man, a deaf man. He's going to heal a blind man soon in the gospel. He had fed the 5,000. He fed 4,000. And the Pharisees are still arguing with him, wanting a sign. That old saying goes, for somebody who does not believe, no sign is, will, will be enough. And for those who believe, no sign is necessary. He had really given them all kinds of signs to indicate he is the son of God. But they refuse to believe him. Maybe one of the signs of ours is how well we love our brothers and sisters. That will be the sign, the proof to the world today of the transforming grace of Jesus Christ in our life. May we, ha we have great hope, rely on that grace of Jesus to overcome all the hatreds and divisions that begin with our heart 
and then of course are expressed in so many, so many different ways in our world today. May the Lord bring us healing and strength.
For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion with us. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. This is Jose. And this is Rosa, and we're from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio, Radio for, for your soul. soul. Catholic